Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Today is Monday, February 22nd, and I don't know about you, but I am still buzzing over last night's 7-3 win by our Boston Bruins over the Philadelphia Flyers in Tahoe. What a great experience that was to watch to take in and on today's show we are going to break down five key takeaways from the Bruins outdoor win over the Philadelphia Flyers on Sunday. Before we get to that let me remind you the podcast is available on whatever podcast app you use so please do hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Typically we are Monday to Friday and it would be amazing if you would download listen and enjoy as many podcasts as possible. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, you can find the podcast at LO Boston Bruins. On Instagram, it's Locked On Bruins. And you can find me, my hockey tweets, and dad jokes on Twitter as well at Ian C. McLaren. Now let's get to the game, shall we? And the first takeaway that I pulled out is that the Bruins are just a fun team. People can hate on the Bruins as much as they like, say that they're unlikable, but nobody can deny that this is a fun team to watch. And that was proven early on as the team was walking to the rink where they all showed up donning 90s garb, everything from windbreakers to full-on uh, snowsuits to fanny packs, Bash Brothers jerseys, Walkman. Uh, Yaroslav Halak was wearing a mullet wig uh, with an old school Zach Morris style cell phone. And I posted a picture of it on the podcast um, Twitter account. And people from all different fan bases were commenting. You know, it's impossible not to like this. And it certainly was very fun to see. If you missed it and who was wearing what, uh, a Twitter friend named Max at M-X-E-L-L-E-R-Y helpfully posted uh, the team shot on the beach with labels so that you could see exactly who was wearing what from uh, Connor Clifton and Steve Kampfer on the left in the Bash Brothers jerseys to uh, David Pasternak and Bergeron in the middle wearing these sweet windbreakers, Bergeron with the fanny pack, as well as the 1990 Boston Bruins Stanley Cup playoff sweater featuring team president uh, Cam Neely. What a nice touch that was as well. Uh, Charlie Coyle with the simple turtleneck with a Tahoe sweater. Uh, Left to right, just amazing stuff from these Bruins. And David Pasternak, after the game, revealed that it was all Bergeron's idea. In the pictures that you saw of them walking to the rink, he was out front. It was his idea, and it was so 
cool of this team to take the initiative and to add that extra flair to what was already a pretty cool event. If you recall, back at the outdoor game in Notre Dame, uh, the Bruins rocked the, the Peaky Blinders look. So from Birmingham to Beverly Hills, this team knows how to put out a vibe, and uh, it was very cool to see. Now, uh, David Pasternak, he also rocked some uh, neon pink, macho man, Randy Savage-style sunglasses. Uh, I liked to call him Macho Manicotti. After the game, he came out, and he was still wearing those sunglasses. This was part of the post-game Zoom, and uh, he was kind of annoyed, actually, because he had been wearing those in the locker room, and he said that they were dancing to Aqua's Barbie Girl in celebration in the locker room, just adding to the fun vibe. So, yeah, from start to finish, the Bruins uh, knocked it out of the park in terms of setting a vibe and then living up to it. I think John Moore commented after the game that if they hadn't won, uh, could have been all for naught, a little embarrassing perhaps, but they backed it up and uh, it was really cool to see. Now, speaking of David Pasternak, he got things going for the Bruins just 34 seconds into the game, scoring his seventh goal of the season from Marchand and Bergeron. The sun was definitely an issue on that end of the ice. Uh, Marchand said he couldn't even see the net when he passed it to Pasternak for that first goal. And from there, he added his eighth and ninth to complete the hat-trick. It was his second hat-trick against the Flyers this season. And he now has nine goals in nine games. He is well behind league leader Austin Matthews, who has 18 goals in 18 games. But he's within striking distance of second place. Uh, Connor McDavid, Brock Besser, both with 12 goals now. Tyler Toffoli with 11. Uh, Nikolai Ellers, Mark Scheifele, and Leon Dreisaitl with 10. And now Pasternak is tied at 9 with a whole bunch of players. Uh, although he has only played 9 games. So he's averaging 1 goal per game so far this season. Started off strong. Went a few games without a goal and then rebounded here with this hat trick and hopefully it's just a sign of things to come for Pasternak. He now has uh, 14 points in those nine games, a 1.56 point per game average. I believe it was Elliot Friedman who tweeted his 82 game stats, like over his past 82 games. He now has 59 goals and 113 points in his last 82 games. Certainly continues to be worthy of the uh, Hart Trophy conversation that he was part of last season. And off to the races again here in 2021 after undergoing a pretty serious uh, off-season surgery. Uh, if you recall my chat with Mallory Soliotis of the Boston Pride a couple weeks ago, she mentioned that we cannot understate how big that surgery was and how remarkable it is that he has come back and is performing at such a high level uh, early on this season. In terms of points per game, Pasternak now ranks fourth among all NHL players behind Connor McDavid at 1.85. Austin Matthews at 1.61, Mitch Marner 1.58. Uh, so Pasternak 
picking right up where he left off last season and could very well be back in the Hart Trophy conversation at season's end. His third goal in particular was just vintage pasta, a sweet one-timer from the knees. It was set up by a beautiful pass by Jack Stanika, I should mention. He was playing in this game in the absence of David Krejci, who's out with a lower body injury. He's believed to be day-to-day, and he could uh, return as early as Thursday's game against the Islanders. Kevin Miller was also out of this game, as was Jacobs Borrell. And Jeremy Lozon was injured, I believe, on his first shift. But we'll get into all that here in a moment. Locked On Today is a great new podcast where you can get all the sports news you need in less time. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. The third takeaway that I wanted to chat about from yesterday's outdoor game was the secondary scoring. Uh, that was kickstarted by Charlie McAvoy. He had a very unfortunate incident where he broke his stick and then was caught without it in the defensive zone. That resulted in Sean Couturier's first period goal. If you saw the replay, you could see kind of his teammates trying to hand him a stick. That was a botched uh, relay. And yeah, he was caught without the stick in the defensive zone, leading to that goal. Shortly thereafter, however, uh, less than a minute actually, he unleashed a bomb on Carter Hart for his second goal of the season, which was amazing to see. I posted the still of that on my Twitter feed, and it was beautiful with the mountains in the background. And uh, great to see Charlie McAvoy hit the back of the net. He has been remarkable so far this season. And I talk about Pasternak in uh, the Hart Trophy conversation, and I believe uh, McAvoy should be well in the Norris Trophy conversation at this point as well. Secondary scoring has often been a discussion surrounding this team, and that kicked in in the second period after David Pasternak scored his second of the game to put the Bruins ahead 3-2. The Bruins then reeled off Three goals later in the period within a span of, I don't know, 90 seconds or so to really take a stranglehold on this game. And it marked the end of Carter Hart's appearance in this one as well as he was yanked for the third period uh, for Brian Elliott. Charlie Coyle scored his third on a great shot that eluded Hart and kind of bounced off the post, off his pad and into the net. I'm sure that was a relief for him as he had been somewhat snake-bitten so far this season. Uh, 30 seconds after that, Trent Frederick scored his first career goal. I believe he's only the third player to score their first career goal outdoors. Uh, He ripped, uh, I wouldn't say ripped, but kind of floated a shot over Carter Hart's left shoulder and into the back of the net. That was assisted by John Moore and Connor Clifton. And then... Over a minute after that, Nick Ritchie scored his sixth of the season on the power play and really, uh, yeah, pretty much ended the game right there in that span of 90 seconds as the Bruins scored those three goals. Jake DeBrusque and David Pasternak led the way with four shots on goal each. 
Sean Corrali, Charlie Coyle with three, and then a bunch of guys uh, at zero shots, actually. Yerho Vakaninen had three shots, as well as Charlie McAvoy from the back end. We'll talk about Vakaninen here in a moment. Uh, the only forwards not to record a shot on goal were Anders Bjork and Brad Marchand, actually, but Marchand had the two assists uh, for the Bruins as well. So a very complete game for the Bruins. Three of the four lines contributing in the scoring. The only player on the third line to record a point was Stanika, and that was on the Pasternak goal, and that was likely a case of Pasta kind of extending his shift a bit, Stanika coming on for the line change and getting things done. So great to see that secondary scoring stepping up. Um, Again, Krejci could be back in time for Thursday's game, so we'll see how the lines shake out. Whether or not there is some more juggling there, Coil bumped back down, who goes where. Once Krejci is back, once Andre Kasha is healthy, Bruce Cassidy will have some decisions to make as to who stays in the lineup and who comes out. Uh, but right now, uh, things are looking pretty good the way they are. Um, Anders Bjork, perhaps, might be the odd man out. I've long contended that he could end up going the way of Ryan Donato and Danton Heinen in terms of trade candidates uh, prior to the deadline. And uh, we'll see if that sticks, especially with Trent Frederick kind of emerging as a, a great left-hand shot on the fourth line. Nick Ritchie solidifying his spot in the lineup. And uh, DeBrusque Marchand up in the top six. We'll see where Bjork falls in there. Speaking of lineup decisions... Yerho Vakaninen may have given management and coaching staff reason to pause and consider his place on the team as he uh, recorded his first career point, an assist, on David Pasternak's second period goal. He appeared in 23 minutes and 28 seconds. That was third among all Bruins defensemen. Uh, He had the three shots. He had a block. He played... A little bit of power play time, a lot of time on the penalty kill. He's a big body. A lot of his minutes came from the fact that um, Jeremy Lozon was injured very early on in this game. He only played 34 seconds. So at the moment, the Bruins are without Matt Grizzlick, who's injured, Jacobs Borrell, now Jeremy Lozon. Those were their three left-hand shots to begin the season on the blue line. Uh, John Moore stepped in. He played pretty well yesterday, had two assists, uh, over 22 minutes of ice time, power play and penalty kill. That was probably his best performance of the season. Uh, And Yerho Vakaninen really stepped up as well. So we'll see how long Lozon's out, whether Grizzlick or um, Zborl can return for their next game Thursday against the Islanders. Vakaninen perhaps has the highest upside of any of the Bruins' young defensemen. He uh, was not kept up because Lozon and Zborl are not waiver-exempt, meaning if they were sent down to the taxi squad or the AHL, they would have to pass through waivers. Chances are they would be scooped up. Vakaninen uh, is not at that point in his career, meaning if they wanted to send him down, he wouldn't have to pass through waivers, and that's pretty much why... He was not up on the roster to begin the season. But again, he has great upside. He's a big body, and he can play in all situations. 
and his future is very bright for the Bruins on the left side. He was kind of a forgotten man to begin the season uh, with Zborl and Lozon taking those two left-hand spots. But if there is a need right now, he will certainly be able to step in and fill those holes admirably. Um, and we'll see, again, what the injury situation is as the Bruins uh, return to Boston. They will not practice here on Monday. They'll be back on the ice tomorrow, so we'll have more of an update on the injury situation then. But um, Vakanainen certainly stepped up and played very well Uh in a pinch and I believe he should be remaining up on the main roster for the foreseeable future. The final takeaway from this game I think is we should have more of these events presented by the NHL. I know the NHL is a fan driven league. They have hosted these outdoor games in order to generate some extra revenue from uh, massive ticket sales from new merchandise created for these games. But the Lake Tahoe setting, minus the sun, of course, the game on Saturday was postponed for several hours because the ice uh, was melting under the sun, as happens. Uh, They pushed the Bruins-Flyers game back to 7.30 Eastern time, 4.30 local time. The sun was an issue in the first period, but the backdrop was unreal and um, certainly memorable for fans and viewers alike. And I believe the NHL should at least consider playing the odd game outdoors in a setting like this in the future. Um, I think of Lake Louise in Alberta would be just the perfect backdrop for a Flames-Oilers game. Uh, There are just settings galore around North America where... These games could be played every once in a while. Uh, I think the Tahoe experience was probably a learning one for the NHL in terms of, again, not forgetting that the sun exists and that it's hot and that it melts the ice, Uh, but also just in terms of the buzz it created and the energy surrounding the event from a fan perspective, despite not being able to attend, uh, you know, on social media, it was palpable. And I really think the NHL should consider um, doing an event like this in that kind of setting sometime in the future. Uh, Even if it sacrifices some gate revenue, uh, the word of mouth and the exposure that it brings to the NHL is certainly got to be worth something in there as well. John Moore said, Uh, You know, he had played in the Notre Dame game. He said, it's a tough year without fans, but you can't say enough about this event. I've been fortunate to play in a couple outdoor games, and this one just blows them all out of the water. And that's including a cool setting like Notre Dame. Uh, He made a point during warm-up to go outside and just sit, take in the backdrop in the mountains. And it was certainly a very memorable uh, event for the Bruins and us as fans. And uh, again, I really think the NHL should explore these kind of settings again in the future. So those are my five takeaways from the outdoor game in Tahoe. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for following along on social media. And uh, yeah, now the Bruins will be off for a few days now as they get ready for what's going to be a grind coming up um, beginning Thursday 
against the Islanders on Long Island and then a couple games against the Rangers uh, to end out the month. But of course, we'll get to that here later in the week. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and it's now even better with six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Now, some of these do have nuts, so be aware if you have an allergy, but there are some non-nut flavors, and each is gluten-free, which is very important to me as someone with celiac. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they are soft and easy to chew, but they're not just a delicious treat. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a built Bar because they're great for the health-conscious person. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high in fiber, and you can, again, enjoy one of these bars while you're at home working, for example, or to give you that boost to get through your workout or your work day. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They provide real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine from sports to award shows and reality TV. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. Best of all, it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's finish off with some news and notes from around the NHL. On the weekend, the New Jersey Devils announced that Nico Heischer is the team's new captain at 22 years old. He's now the youngest active captain in the NHL with Connor McDavid uh, serving as the youngest prior to that. So congratulations to Heischer, a very talented young player and You know, the New Jersey Devils have given the Bruins some fits this season, and that's without Heashier in the lineup. Uh, They could be a team that pushes for a playoff spot at some point uh, down the road if they continue the strong play and get healthy after a lot of players were on the COVID uh, list. Uh, Right now, they are... Let's see here. Where do they stand at the moment? Yeah, they're second last right now. Five points out of a playoff spot, although they are uh, sixth when it comes to point percentage. Uh, So, yeah, they could be in the mix come playoff time, but maybe another year or two away from really contending. Uh, What else is going on? David Ayers celebrating his one-year anniversary of a win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. David Ayers, you'll remember, was a emergency backup goalie who stepped in for the Carolina Hurricanes and defeated the Maple Leafs one year ago today. What a night that was and uh, something the Leafs won't be allowed to forget anytime soon. Uh, What else is going on out there? Pierre-Luc Dubois scored twice for the Jets in victory over the Canucks. His first couple goals for his new team. Out West, uh, Trevor Zagras was called up by the Anaheim Ducks. I mentioned them before as a team that the Bruins 
could partner with again in trades coming up. They have some wingers and defensemen that could be uh, vital to success of a contending team. Adam Henrique was waived over the weekend. Uh, so really interesting stuff there. As well as in Buffalo where Jack Eichel's name continues to percolate in terms of trade rumors as the Sabres really continue to struggle. Their rebuild not really um, amounting to much as of yet. So that could be a situation worth watching for our Bruins in the offseason as David Krejci and Tuka Rask are set to come off the books. Um, if they are unable to re-sign Krejci, for example, that would open up a spot for Eichel, per se, uh, down the middle. So that would be interesting. One last note, former NHL coach Mike Babcock has been named head coach of the University of Saskatchewan's men's hockey team. He'll lead the club on a voluntary basis for the next two years. Babcock, of course, uh, was fired by the Maple Leafs last season. And then some allegations of, uh, let's say, yeah, abuse came out in terms of how he handled uh, Mitch Marner with the Maple Leafs, uh, how he handled uh, Johan Franzen back with the Detroit Red Wings. So now he's going to be uh, coaching a group of students for the next couple of years as a way of perhaps getting back into the coaching ranks. Um, whether or not that's wise, uh, time will tell. But yeah. Mike Babcock back in hockey on an official basis as the head coach of the University Saskatchewan Huskies. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen, and I hope you enjoyed the outdoor game as much as I did. I should mention as well, if you missed Friday's interview with Adam McQuaid, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. It was a great chat. I was able to have with the 2011 Stanley Cup champion and just to catch up with him post-retirement and to discuss kind of his impact with the Bruins on and off the ice was a real pleasure. So please do go back and listen to that. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, the latest on the Bruins post-Tahoe as well as an updated look at the East Division Power Rankings. But for now, happy Monday, friends. Please do take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll be back to chat again tomorrow about our Boston Bruins. Have a good one, friends. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace.